Hey, this is Jimmy Street, host of the Live and in Color with Wolfie D podcast. Hear the life and times of professional wrestler Wolfie D. From his time in the territories with PG-13, to his time in WWE, ECW, WCW, TNA, and more. Nothing is off limits and nothing will be held back. Thanks again for tuning in. Here he is, Wolfie D. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome one more time to the Live and in Color with Wolfie D podcast. And today we are welcoming a personal friend of Wolfie D. And Coach's Corner Sports Grill is a huge and important sponsor to our show. you got to visit their spot in Spring Hill, Tennessee. It's the best burger on the planet. Anyway, let's welcome Eric Byford from Coach's Corner Sports Grill. How you doing, Eric? Hey, man. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Yeah, great to have you. Now, How you, you guys doing? <laughs> hey man, we're hanging in there. You were one of Wolfie's old buddies from the school days. Yeah, back in back in those many moons ago. Many it's, moons. Ago. <laughs> spry young man with bright futures. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> man, I am proud of you, Eric. I really am, man. Uh, just to see the things you're doing, man. Spring Hill, first of all, I just my memories of Spring Hill, and you have to understand, you know, everybody's path goes a different way or whatever. We used to have shows in Spring Hill, and they were good, man. I mean, the the crowd was always there and always popping and stuff like that. And, and I know now it's like a it's like a whole different place. I know uh, my friend James Storm, he lives there, uh, and and. Spring Hill has just grown so much, man. Tell me about how much Spring Hill has grown in the past, what, 10 years? Yeah, I've been here for 11 years, and, uh, yeah, it's definitely grown. We moved out here to raise our three boys and a uh, great community, um, very family-driven, but growing like weeds. I think uh, everybody found out what well, we knew all along growing up in Middle Tennessee that we lived in, the, in paradise. Now <laughs> everybody <laughs> discovered it. And, uh, you know, Spring Hill is one of those places, man. It's a great family uh, community and lots of growth going on out here. There's some industry here. So, you know, the GM plant kind of changed everything for Spring Hill, and now they're adding on, and it's just every day we meet more and more people moving from Oregon, Washington, California. Now it's Michigan, Minnesota, New Hampshire, up New York. It's uh, people from all over, man. It's a, it's a good place to be. Pretty cool, man. That's, that's Actually, it's not pretty cool. It's very cool, man. Um, and the thing is, man, on this uh, series of podcasts I'm doing, I'm talking to some of the people. You're a Johnny O, man. I'm a Johnny O. Uh, I got a few other people. Uh, you remember Jason Fisher, Mingo Johnson. I mean, oh, yeah. and I'd like to get in touch with, uh, I don't know if you know, but I'd like to get in touch with Derek Bottom. Uh, but, man, think about that, man. How many people from Don Overton High School in our era excelled in something, athletics or whatever? I mean, I think that's just that just speaks volumes to me, man. We we all did something very cool. You know what I mean? Yeah, man. Uh, Overton was uh, was known as a, a, a one of the best academic schools, and also the sports and athletic programs, the band. Every, I mean, it was just a lot of. It was a good melting pot, especially in the era we grew up in, with uh, coming out of the '80s into the early '90s, and just kind of <laughs> life was changing pretty yeah. quick all around, and and and. In somehow, some way, there was. A, you're right, exactly right, because it had, had come before. You know, there was incredible things going on before I got there, and even afterwards. And now, I mean, look at Mookie Betts, <laughs> yeah, best, best baseball player on the planet, and we went to Johnny O. It's a, it's a, it's a cool vibe, man. It's a very that's cool awesome. vibe. That's that's what made me want to do this series because it's like I told Jimmy. I said we've had WWE Hall of Famers, we've had you know different wrestlers, we've had, and this is our wrestling podcast. Yes, and you, you're one of our sponsors, but it just made me think. I'm like, man, at, at, at John Overton, we had so many people uh, that have excelled in so many different ways, and. And not to take away from, and I'm probably forgetting or don't even know of the girls that have probably done something, but I'm just thinking oh, of yeah. uh, that, that have done something. And you're one of them, man. You're, you have come through so much, man. And I, I want to get into that. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hey folks, to get your official Live It In Color with Wolfie D merchandise, go to ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash Live Wolfie D. Check it out. If you're listening to Live It In Color with Wolfie D on Apple Podcast and like what you're hearing, go ahead and leave a five-star rating. And while you're at it, write a review. Tell us what you liked. Tell us what you'd like to hear in the future. It's very important to us and always appreciated. Thanks again. The story that you have and that I didn't know until me and you talked, I don't know, a couple months ago, we talked about the story you had and I didn't know that. Uh, you, you were a, a good friend of one of my best friends, Stuart, and then I heard this story about you. Can you and will you go into detail about what happened to you? Are you talking about uh, in 2006 when I was uh, I walked away from the trauma unit? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, man, I was uh, back then. Nashville was a lot different, and uh, you know we were all young professionals. I was selling real estate at Music Row. It was just you know it was the basically the transition of guard from. Our Nashville, we grew up onto into the new Nashville, what it is now. And with that being said, as young professionals, there was a huge group of us that would always go out and guys and girls, and we were all making money, having a good time. And uh, I was at a party one night, and two guys got into it. I tried to break them up. We got into it, and uh, I pinned them on the ground and, and told them to chill out. And he took out a uh, Smith & Wesson 7-inch tactical knife and started sticking me in my lower back. He hit me 10 times, uh, 6 inches deep. I uh, once hit my femur artery and my right kidney, and I was left for dead. I bled out. You have zero percent probability of uh, surviving one of those, much less ten, and my femur being uh, cut and all that good stuff. So, thank God I was five minutes from Vanderbilt, which is the only trauma unit uh, within 200 miles, and uh, had three incredible doctors and a team of nurses and people that worked on me for two days. Uh, my ex was four months pregnant with my first son, and. Uh, <laughs> A lot going on, man. They had already told them I wasn't going to survive. No one does. Yada, yada, yada. I kind of prepared my family for life after Eric. And, uh, yeah, somehow um, I laid on that operating table for two days. With a, they call it a zipper. It's where you're cut from your sternum to your lower abdomen. And uh, they take out all your intestines and pack you and go in there and, and uh, wrap my right kidney with like, this Gore-Tex mesh to keep it together. And go in there and I had to, you know, reattach my femur artery and leave you there packed for a couple of days and they button you up you know then i had the 10 wounds in my back um which is they pack you full of gauze to uh stop the bleeding well later come find out i, I pulled through uh the surgery i was in a coma on life support <laughs> i pulled through that they wanted to amputate my leg and do all this other stuff i lost literally i was at that time i was really big hey, the- let me let me ask you this real quick yeah. uh and i don't mean to stop you on such yeah. a no no when you say you were in a coma, because I watch stuff like this on TV, I'm a, a buff or stuff like that. Did you have any feeling, memories, uh, images, anything when you were in a coma? How does that feel? What Do you, do you have any memories of that? Well, I can tell you this. Uh... <laughs> it's, 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 uh, yeah, I get asked that question a lot, and uh, I have two memories. One was I was talking to my my grandmother had passed about nine years earlier, and uh, you know that was tough on me. I talked to her, and then I, um, I also had a memory. I was I was sitting at a table. Listen, if I ask you something that's like out of line or no, 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 so I get asked this all the time. I'm I'm good at talking about in, it. In the coma, you talk to your grandma. Yeah, and then I, uh, the other memory I have, uh, the only thing, other thing I remember, I was sitting at a round table talking to basically God and the devil, but I was looking at two different versions of myself. <laughs> it kind of explained wow. to me a lot about what, uh, 
can you tell me more about that? I mean, honestly, man, I, this is not me being, you know, like on my podcast. Can I get the best out of this person or something like this really interests me. You're yeah, saying yeah. you talk to your grandma and, and like the devil and stuff like that. If you can. And I, like I said, I don't want to press you on anything. You're you're my friend and you sponsored us, but this type of shit interests me. Can tell me about that. Like, what do you mean you talk to them? Well, I mean, I had two, it was two different instances. One was, I just remember having a conversation with my, my grandmother and, uh, you know, in my head, I knew she was dead. What I remember of it, of it all, uh, but she was just, she had wrote me a letter before she died. <laughs> and uh, we kind of talked about that. And, like, you know, she was, my grandmothers were uh, big in my life. Right. I was a single mom, so I was always at, one of them's house on the weekend usually, and 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 that was a different world back then. You didn't have phones and computers. You actually knew who your family was, and right, you, you went to your family's right. house and right. all that stuff. So just a different world. But yeah, we had we had a I had a conversation with her, and then uh, another instance, I was sitting at a table, and I was really in my mind talking to God and the devil. And they were two different versions of me, um, which I think you know explains a lot about all of us. Uh, we all I have chaos tattooed on my back. One side's got a reaper, one side's got an angel, and they're both like in a tug of war with this chain. And uh, to me, that kind of represents what life is. It's a constant balance and a daily choice between chaos and, and order or peace or love or whatever. There's constant conflict, and you through decision making and, and learning and experience, you you learn how to uh, hopefully make better decisions or ones that will actually uh, put you a little bit further down the path for your purpose or what you're trying to accomplish or what you want to do with your life. So it, that's what it came back to me for. I, I will also state, and I tell people this, I was also, my medical bill for the first uh, 24 hours in the hospital was uh, $42,000. So <laughs> I could have been talking to Dr. Oh Smith and not known it. <laughs> How did you know that what they were was God and the devil? What indicated you to that? Because this is just absolutely mesmerizing it was to me, this story. I, I think that it was, uh, they were giving me a choice to live or die. Gotcha. And uh, gotcha. I, my dad died when I was two, so I grew up. The single mom and a bunch of crazy stepdads, and my, uh, it, it haunted me. It's the greatest pain of my life. Is a dad is is the most important person in a man's life in my book. Because that's what you yeah. learn from. That's who you are. That's who you. You know. That's your guidance. That's your male. That's just the same sex parents has the greatest influence on the child. And I didn't have that. Right. Like I said, and like I said, my ex was four months pregnant with London, my firstborn, and and I think that's truly what saved me was was. Uh, that pain that I always had of not having my dad is what yeah. the doctor said. That they had never met anyone with the will to fight to live like through me because there's like there's no way you know anyone survives this. And uh, little by little, I made it through it. And yeah, man, it was wild. I was you know I was sitting there basically talking to one version that was like telling me this is what you you know if you're gonna live this is what you need to live for. And then you know it's just like you, we've all had that that voice in your head. It's like nah, fuck it, whatever. The bat, right. the, the other side of the coin, the little devil on the shoulder in the, from the old cartoons or whatnot. We the, you know you, I know it sounds crazy, but I believe we all have the the, <laughs> the, the good spirits and the bad spirits. My life wow. was spared um, to be a father to my children. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, that's what I yeah. that's what I live for. Nah, this yeah. is something yeah. that I watch, like on Netflix or something. That, yeah, you need a documentary. You really do. <laughs> yeah. Uh, seriously, yeah. I'm not even. Yeah. And I would sit there and I would watch this because just the way you explain things, um, man, I just can't imagine. I mean, the coma stuff and the the visions that you had and stuff. It's like. I can't even imagine what that's like. I mean, you know, last August I had a heart attack and I went down, but it wasn't for long and they didn't have to resuscitate me. I had the widow maker, blah, blah, blah. But it wasn't what you went through, man, where you were in a coma. I can't imagine what the mind does through that type of shit, man, because I know what mine went through for like two seconds or whatever. You know what I mean? 
I fell down and I was back conscious. They didn't have to bring me back or nothing like that. Boom, did surgery, put the stents in my heart. But you went through something that was like a coma where you're like, you're just out of it for like, how many days was that? Not for a few days, but you know, when I came out of it, I was still on life support. (laughs) That's funny. That's funny. You just said, oh, it wasn't for a few days. (laughs) Whatever. (laughs) I mean, you're coma for a few days. All right. You just blow it off, but whatever. (laughs) The, the worst part about all that, man, was uh, is if you've ever had a breathing tube in and having a breathing tube uh, removed, that's just, that's hell on earth. Yeah. It, it, that sucked. Yeah. And uh, my main thing, though, is I remember when I was coming out and going in and out of consciousness, uh, when you're a attempted murder victim, they put you in the hospital under a fake name and only so many people can come in and see you and you're guarded. There's police there. It's, it's a very different situation. And uh, my brother flew up from Florida. My mom was there, but I, I couldn't. I didn't see him. I was blind uh, when I came out of the coma, but I was in and out of consciousness, and I could hear my mom holding my hand, talking to me, and I couldn't talk back to her because I had the breathing tube in, but I spelled out on her hand. She said, I said, sorry, bad boy. Hal's baby and uh, she said I was back out I spelled it on her hands yeah. and then I came out all that man and my brother was there my mom had to give me showers and walk me and wipe my butt and all that stuff man it was very 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 humbling to go from a, at that time I was about a 260 pound you know I was really into bodybuilding and working out and a young man and had a great time and to go from can't even wipe your own butt I, mean, I lost uh, shit uh, it was 60 70 pounds in a couple of days uh, and it took me about 8 months to recover by that time, we had London, and I'd gone through two more surgeries. I had, uh, when they uh, pack you full of gauze, they had to go and change that gauze out uh, eventually. The stab so, so six inches deep, your body's not smooth. There's capillaries and veins and tendons and ligaments and bones and muscles and all kinds of crazy shit in there. And yanking that gauze out wasn't fun. I, they had to give me, um, what was it, a Percocet oxycodomorphine staggered 15 minutes apart to get through that. And I did that twice a day for about six months. And then uh, I had an aneurysm formed in one of the wounds. And then my back, I had to go back in and insert a screw into one of the wounds to stop the bleeding. I had an absence formed between my prostate and my bladder, this big pocket of blood. I woke up in the middle of the night just puking my guts off. I thought the staples were going to come out of my zipper. I was puking so hard, so I got rushed back to Vanderbilt and I uh, had to get another emergency surgery to fix this pocket of blood that had formed between my prostate and my bladder. Yeah. I had to get had to use the hard catheter in the bag for about six weeks. Wait, I pray for those people too, man. In the shower, I, I'd take the bandages off and you could see the tube going in you because you could see inside you. It was, fun. It, uh, it was a trip. But yeah, man, made it through all that and came out and... <laughs> The crazy thing about all that stuff, man, is, is surviving. It's one thing. It's the, it, like you said earlier, it's the mental toll, the physical toll I'm used to, the scar tissue and all that stuff. But the mental toll is why I do so much I can for the charities around me and, and, and the people that survive, go through trauma and uh, all that kind of stuff. Because it's uh, <laughs> a survivor's guilt, and it's a bitch. Eric, I'd like to ask you a question. If you could answer this, man. The person or people that did this to you, do you forgive them or do you hate them or what's the situation there? I, I mean, and, and I don't know how I would feel. And that's why I'm asking this question. So I get that question a lot too. And the biggest thing about that was, is I didn't know him beforehand. I'd never met him before in my life. We had a bunch of mutual friends, but, and I knew that I had a decision to make. And I also knew that I had a son on the way. And I also knew that people involved or knew me were going to be paying attention as to what avenue I was not taking that route because as I think most men would think, you'd want to kill the guy. Uh, you know what I'm saying? You'd want to, you would want them to feel the pain that they had caused you and your family. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, in, right. in a life or death situation. So, man, I thought about it for a real long time. I mean, I had eight months to pick on it. You know, I could, I walked with a cane forever and still bled through my shirt forever. So, I, you know, I was in no position to go out gung ho, but what that did, it allowed me a lot of time to reflect and think. And like I said, when you go, uh, <laughs> you go through that stuff like that, man, you know, I pray a lot. I have a, a very different relationship with God. It allowed me the time to heal and to forgive them and to move on. And I didn't even show up to court. I didn't even go to court. That was uh, that was too much for me. Like, uh, like I said, there's a lot of a mental 
that things that you go through and PTSD oh. and, and hypervigilance <laughs> and anxiety induced insomnia and TBI and all this weird shit. But yeah. the number one thing uh, is, to me is the survivor's guilt bothered me for a long time. I didn't know if I was really alive or dead for a very right. long time. I didn't know if I was living and this is bullshit or this is a dream. Is bull- I didn't know. Really? And then you have the thing of why, why am I still here? Why did this happen? Why did you spare me God or whatever? What is going on? And for me, the answer, I just kept coming back to me being here for my kids. And, uh, <laughs> That's awesome. It sounds kind of selfish, but also yeah. use that time to help others and everything else. And so I just, I get asked that question a lot. And, you know, I, I used to sum it up very simply. I just, I said I would hand them a Bible and, and wish them the best and tell them I forgive them and, and move on with my life because you get older, man, you still have those, you know, I have my demons and I have a lot of issues that have come from it that do upset me. And, uh, and I have had those thoughts and all that stuff. But, you know, at the end of the day, I've learned, I'm 47 now, that my peace is more important to me than uh, anything else outside of my children. And, and I don't let people mess with my peace. So if something's upsetting my peace, I remove myself from that situation or those people or whatever whatever it is. I work too much, got too much going on to be having people mess with it. It went on for a long time because I had, I think people that go through crazy situations like that, confrontation to us is life or death. And I'm not getting in an argument with you. You know what I'm saying? It's like a, yeah. I, I don't want any triggers and I don't want any anything to do with, I don't, you know, get in fights. I don't play wrestle. I don't, you know, with my kids, I'll mess around. But I don't, when it comes to adults, I keep my hands to myself. I expect everyone else to keep their hands to myself. And uh, it's taught me an insane amount of patience and, uh, and, and foresight. Well, what, you, you wouldn't play wrestle with me? No, oh, man. I, I just, right now, I need to shave. I, I, I'm not in shape to do anything. I, I got to work every day. So these knees have had it. Oh, uh, man. I mean, uh, that is so respectful. I, I have the utmost respect for you, man. Especially, you know, me and you talked before you ever came and, and did this sponsorship. Man, I didn't know that about you, even though, you know, we're Johnny O's, man. I didn't know what happened. I I really didn't. And then you told me that, and I was like, holy shit, man. And even now, you've told me more than I even knew before. And it's like, just can't even fathom the whole deal, man. It's crazy. I totally respect the absolute shit out of you, man. Absolutely respect the shit out of you. And to see what you have become now, I mean, people know this, you know, this is no new deal. You know, I went to rehab and stuff like that. And when I come out of it, I'm all gung ho and want to do something, right. you know, positive and stuff like that. And, uh, and I've done that before, but for you, the coma thing is really what just trips me out, man. Somebody to be in a coma and have those dreams and blah, blah, blah. Somebody almost kills you. And then you come out into where you are now. You are running a very successful business in Spring Hill, Coach's Corner. And now the fact that you're even trying to help us out, wow, that's crazy, man. It's, it's awesome. And I totally appreciate you. And uh, I, your story is awesome. And that's why I wanted to get it on here because there's going to be a lot more people that are going to hear your story that are in your area where they can come to your place and eat your food and support you. Uh, you know, uh, together we rise. Before I'm in this restaurant, I, you know, I'm, a, I'm still a filmmaker. I just haven't got back to it because this thing takes up so much of my time. But I was doing my first uh, documentary on called Straight Up Tennessee Whiskey, and I was interviewing Phil Pritchard of uh, Pritchard's Distillery. And uh, and he told me something one time because I asked him. He, he became the third distiller in the state since Prohibition. It was Jack and, and George, and he had the law changed after about 60 years in state senate to him become the third one and and i asked him you know we had this resurgence of all this whiskey you know this has been shit 10 years ago and i made that film i asked him then about the landscape of everything and how it was going and you know of all these new craft distilleries and everybody opened up how's it been amongst them is it competition or whatever and he said man it's always competition that sells people but between us we're all friends and buddies and to tell you the truth i'm a big believer in a rising tide raises all ships so i don't worry about anything 
anything other than me being my own competition and if I can help. Uh, we have a saying in yoga, if you can, you must. So, uh, you know, and I feel like, you know, when life's handing you a bunch of shit, lemons, whatever you want to call it, if you'll concentrate on helping others somehow, some way, your troubles will be lifted and, and you have sown a bunch of good seeds that will that will bring you a good harvest down the road. I just tell you, man, life's been a trip to go from where I was to where I am and I'm nowhere near where I want to be, but uh, I appreciate y'all letting me be a part of the show and uh, yeah. excited about it and give me a chance to uh, at least say <laughs> you know hopefully if I can help somebody I will I do a lot for the veterans and with people with PTSD and the hungry and, and uh, foster boys homes and, and all kinds of stuff I just um, you know like I said it all goes back to I think the world has one plague and it's called shitty parents and uh, <laughs> I think I think there's a lot of good parents on this planet we've got a lot better shape Let's take a quick time out and get a word from one of my dope-ass sponsors, and we'll be right back with more Live and in Color with Wolfie D. Hey folks, this is Wolfie D here, and if you are looking to buy or sell a home in Tennessee or Southern Kentucky, you're going to want to call my buddy, the rock star realtor, Benji Bowie. And you say, Wolfie, how do I get in touch with this rock star? Well, you can call him directly at 615-390-8216. You can go to his website, BowieHomes.com. That's B-U-I-E Homes.com. Or you can email him at BenBowie34 at gmail.com. When you need a home, you need the Rockstar Realtor. Benji is a member of Exit Realty's Garden Gate team in Gallatin, Tennessee. All right, let's talk okay. about, because obviously uh, this is a wrestling podcast, and, and I just wanted to have you on here because your story was so awesome. Are you a wrestling fan? Absolutely. We, you know, I grew up with, uh, you know, on Channel 2 every Saturday morning, the, the wrestling, Memphis wrestling circuit with... Uh, yeah. King and Junkyard Dog and Jimmy Hart and you know all the old schoolers and then it grew up in WWF and all that stuff. Hell yeah! Because a couple of couple y'all say this to me. Uh, do you remember when I quit high school and then all of a sudden I was the wrestler guy? Do you remember that? Well, yeah, yeah. We <laughs> we ran into you guys at a Motel Six one night. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we were having a party at a Motel 6. I think you guys had just came off the road or something. Yeah, this is exactly where I wanted to get. First of all, thank you so much for your story, Eric. That was powerful to hear. I want to know something that I think the listeners are going to want to ask. And, and I'm just trying to be the listener in this show. But tell us about young Wolfie D. Tell us about high school. Tell us about whenever you first met Wolfie D. Tell us your first impression. I want to hear about young Wolfie D here. Well, once again, life was a lot different. <laughs> and uh, back then, man, like you said, we we had a lot of good athletes and crazy crews coming around, and, and everybody had their little clique, and they all, you know, it was we had a lot of hotel parties and parties out in the woods, and, and yeah, everybody, it was, it was a different time, but, you know, everybody got along, and for the most part, unless you went to Brentwood or somewhere else, <laughs> you, know, you, know, you know how it was, the high schools all had to fight each other, you know, they didn't like the Everton boys coming down taking the girls and so forth yeah. but yeah yeah that's it I mean they couldn't stand it they were, they were Franklin but I'm <laughs> just kidding but they, <laughs> back then you know everybody had their little click but everybody got along there was you know all of us there was I can't remember all the clicks names but yeah we would all you know we'd all end up having mutual friends and get, be getting together and it was wild and I remember when I heard about it I was like I'm a big believer of anybody that swings the bat and chases their dream at the People that bitch among and sit on the sidelines, the people that get out there and swing the bat, I, I just like seeing people go for it. And I remember hearing about, it. like I said, I hadn't seen him in forever, and we were throwing a hotel party <laughs> at a motel. Six. I'm pretty sure it was on Harding Place, right across from Hooters. Motel and, uh, on Harding Place. Oh no. Yeah, and then uh, <laughs> you know we would get back then we would go get a bunch of beer and put it in the bathtub and ice it down and we had pagers back then we didn't even have cell phones so you had to go somewhere with the phones and call people back tell them where you were and we yeah. just had these parties all the time and have a good time man. Do you know that I broke my back? Actually, yeah. it wasn't like a back break, but it was like I you know you got your each vertebrae has those little butterfly things that hang off the side, right? So. uh there was one night at the Motel 6 there on Harding Place, and uh, I don't know, the party got busted or something, and we ran. 
and I ran out, and, and there was like this uh, like sewer gully thing, and I ran up on it. It was dark, and I didn't see it until I got right there, and all of a sudden, it was like a, man, it was about a 10-foot drop into the sewer little mm-hmm. line there. But where I landed, it was like, I don't know, a concrete dump. Look, you know, it was uh, jagged uh, concrete and stuff like that. So anyway, I got there and I could not stop. And the only thing I knew to do, because I was already training for wrestling, was to do a flip. And I flipped down in it. And bam, oh, yeah. I'm back. And, and that's where I, uh, I didn't know it until years later, but I actually broke my back. And uh, I laid there. Me, Eric, do you remember a guy named Billy Hodge? We called him Ghost. Yeah. Yeah. Me and Billy laid in the, while the cops looked for everybody, me and Billy laid in this sewer ditch, like in the tunnel. We laid there (laughs) all night long, and they, you know, they passed us up or whatever. But, yeah, I broke my back on that and didn't know it for years later. Yeah, crazy stuff. I may or may not have had to use those same tactics. <laughs> All I can think about is uh, those Rambo movies came in handy. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's, yeah. that's awesome. Oh, All right. Uh, so let's, let's transition into the dumb shit and the thank God Eric is still alive and with the great things that uh, happened with you, man. I, honestly, you could have your own documentary, man. You really could. Absolutely. Absolutely. And just the dumb shit we did. Yeah. Coach's Corner. Yeah, man. Where did yeah. this come from and how did you make it happen? You're doing good, right? Well, man, we're going on our 16th month. In this business, you typically don't start seeing money until about year three through five. But we've been here almost 16 months. We're remodeling again. We're growing every day. We, I mean, I we're still here. We've had a ton of restaurants closed during COVID and all this crazy stuff. And yeah, God's will. I mean, uh, this place came to be. I was. I had thought about because um, back in the day I owned a nightclub. Uh, when I was 22, I opened a nightclub in downtown Nashville called the Church, and uh, oh, yeah. the there's church. like an hour spot. Church? What's that? I remember the church. I'm pretty yeah, sure. Yeah, I, I built that there. place and opened it in '96. Mike Morgan. Yeah. Mike Morgan used to come in uh, all kinds of clubs and saying he was Wolfie D, and he would get in there for free. <laughs> oh man, probably your place. That's hilarious. My dad, Pete Cannon, you remember him? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Pete used to tell me that Mike used to come into all these places and tell people that he was me so we could get it wrong. That's hilarious. I haven't seen those guys in so long, man. So I thought about this concept a long time ago, but I had a different name for it, a little bit different vibe for it. But we moved out to Spring Hill. It was a lot different town. We basically had a Mexican restaurant up the street, and we had Buffalo Wild Wings with a couple exits down, but nothing really good to eat. I mean, you can only to me tacos a week, and I'm single dad, three kids. I didn't have uh, dinner ready, so we'd always go after practice to somewhere. And um, I had gone through a separate, me and my girl split up, business partner screwed me out a bunch of money, and I was just sitting at the traffic light, you know, I go to football practice, and I was just praying for peace. And uh, this land used to be an old grassy lot with an old school, it used to be on a farm with an old school, like, cinder block garage on it, and I, uh, I was like, man, I'd with the amount of growth, I, I could just tell this place was going to grow at some point, the way they yeah. were. Spring Hill, it was yeah. Just, there was just too much land <laughs> until you're too yeah. close to Nashville and with interstate access. And so uh, I'd walk, and I was going to practice one day, and I, I, I looked over, and now they'd built this new retail center, and I'd been watching it for about six months, and there's two units that just kept sitting there. And I was like, what is, why is not someone putting something else to eat? The only place to eat over here is literally this Mexican restaurant. Why? I mean, anything would go. You can put a hot dog yeah. cart there. It would do good. And uh, I was praying for peace, and then the universe, God, whatever, told me, he's like, hey, just call on it. Uh, but it told me, like, you're going to have to be willing to sacrifice absolute everything if you want to find peace. And at the time, I thought that was material possessions, and I uh, I was good with that. I'm a pretty humble guy, a good pair of jeans, some good socks, some boots, and a black t-shirt. I'm good. Um, so I had no problem with that, but I had no idea that it was going to literally mean everything. And uh, um, so I came up with this concept. I changed it from my original concept a little bit and called it Coach's Corner because as a, as a single dad, three kids and coaching all these sports, I mean, it's a, it turns into another full-time job. Yeah. And, you know, we, you take all the flack from the parents and, and you, you know, it, it's, you take all the praise, you take all the flack and it's just a lot of politics and I don't play. It's just, it's just a lot. And I saw a lot of good guys 
giving up their time and um, and energy and everything else, and to help these kids and these communities have some good coaching. Because I mean, it, there's a ton of guys that should not be coaching, and God bless them. They're just not either. You did, you aren't coached right, or you didn't you didn't play this sport, or don't know it correctly and kudos to those guys giving up their time i'm not saying that it's right. not easy but i played sports growing up very competitive environments and uh like i said having a single mom my coaches were everything to me uh you know i didn't have anybody at my practice or games she was always working and uh so my coaches i became very close with and and the good ones i really the guys that pushed me the guys that i couldn't stand at the time but i knew were making me better because i could see it the ones that challenged me always played a big role in me as a person and, and, and as an athlete and student and everything else and uh, I was kind of my father figure and I wanted to kind of give an ode to to all those guys and to the coaches that I grew up watching you know the, the Pat Riley's and uh, you know the Tom Landry's and right. you know, even me and a UT fan even you know Bear Bryant you know the, you can't knock a good coach I mean people will say whatever they want about Belichick the dude's a beast Saban's a beast they, they're yeah. just they, they take their craft seriously into the next level and I wanted to pay you know it's always player of the week or team of the week or something else I just wanted to kind of give the coaches I, I some, really, some attention I really really want to see your place man I mean I've, I've seen kind of a, a couple of shots or whatever I'd really I want to come down there and see it. Well, remember back in the you're, you're from this area, so remember back in the day, Nashville Dog on Charlesdale and Harding. Yeah, Nashville Dog yeah. Three. Yeah. The guy was from Chicago, and it was a little bitty place, and he had a, a brick counter with a register, a flat top, and a fryer right there. And you'd go in and order your burger and your fries or whatever hot dog, and he would yeah. reach in the bucket, pull off the fries, throw them in the fryer, pat off the burger cook the hot dog right there in front of it. it was the bomb and so that's kind of what i wanted my food to be i didn't want to have uh some crazy menu i wanted it to be a one-page menu but i wanted our burger if we're gonna have the burgers we're gonna have the best burgers the hot dogs chicken whatever too. yeah we've got a lot of good you know and coming out of super bowl last year we i learned a valuable lesson because our sales <laughs> football definitely rules the roost so in this day and age if i'm in a restaurant man you got to be a little bit of everything so i built the stage and put in some games and you know kind of switched up a little bit to keep the lights on whatever it takes and do you ever do the micro wrestling that you were asking me about yeah i gotta talk out of that i want to talk to you guys about okay let's go yeah all i'm gonna say is SummerSlam. Summer. we're gonna do our okay. we're gonna make our spin on it all right i'll look yeah man about that i'll talk to you guys about that well hey happy yeah. to be there at least let me sign some autographs and stuff Ah, fuck! I'd love for you guys to be the announcers or figure out do a podcast from here or something. Oh yeah, we yeah, do that. Man. You know, we'll work I, that out. I love that idea. I love that idea. Yeah, I was a professional musician in Nashville, and then I turned to the wrestling business because I was always a fan. But living out in Nashville, man, as a musician, I'd played all the honky tonks. I'd played all the same old clubs. What I like is you guys do that the, from the Ville to the Hill. You've got a stage. You've got a venue. For people that are looking to expand their range in the Nashville area, you guys are a great option for that. I've seen shows on your Facebook page. You know, to me, it seems like a great option for musicians that are wanting to come out and, hey, expand their range a bit. Absolutely. So, like I said, this is a growing community, and that's why I call it the Ville to the Hill stage. I love Nashville. grew up there, but... You know, you're living out here, your options are limited, so I wanted to provide the community with a, uh, you know, I grew up in Nashville and, and in, the, in that scene, so I wanted to be able to give that back, and like I said, create another option for people to come in, to, to want to come in, and uh, yeah, man, the Ville to the Hill stage, you don't free parking, no $14 beers, and no assholes to elbows, it's great. We have, <laughs> That's and, amazing. And the number, one, the number one thing we get is, uh, from the artist, is what, thank you for allowing us to come down here and, and expand our reach to people that normally wouldn't know about them or see them, um, and on top of that, the people that live around here, close to here, you've got, now you have an option that doesn't require... Um, all the other stuff that Nashville brings with it. Not that I love my hometown, but you know, it's I don't even get down there much. Very rarely. So uh, yeah. yeah, man, we've got a lot of great music coming in here. Thursday night, we're starting our comedy showcase. Uh, so we're gonna have ten comics come up, do a seven to ten minute set of their worked on material, not new stuff. Jimmy, yeah, man. get him with current affairs. We gotta go wrestling here for a minute. We gotta I'll go. <laughs> And, yeah, that leads us into Current Affairs, sponsored by Coach's Corner Sports Grill. DJ, hit the music. It's a current affair. It's a current affair. Love it in color. It's a current affair. 
All right, we're back to Current Affairs, sponsored by Coach's Corner Sports Grill. And we're here with today with Eric Byford. Now, Eric, you know, you've known Wolfie for so many years. You're a businessman. You're an entrepreneur. We're going to bug you about some wrestling now. So, Wolfie just asked the question, but I'm going to ask it again. Who do you like as a wrestler? Who, who are you a fan of? Oh, man, I'm, I'm torn between the, you know, like, like I said, I, it's, it's hard not to like Jerry the King Lawler as growing up with the strap and the fireball. And, uh, yeah. Uh, Billy, uh, man, that's a good one. I'm a big fan of Stone Cold Steve Austin. Um, you Wolfie D, I'm hanging up. I love Wolfie, love Wolfie D, <laughs> love Wolfie D. In the ring, ring of Honor, those guys. Yeah, um, yeah. I also, I also like Jake. You know, all, I'm, I'm torn between the old guys and the new guys. I don't even know the newest guys because I don't get time right. to watch anything, even with all these TVs around here. But yeah, man, uh, of course Wolfie D. But you know, like I said, that Fireball Jerry the King I think that's even Wolfie will tell you all those guys probably inspired him. Junkyard Dog, but. I've got, I got, I, I figured it out because I do these impressions all the time, and that's the Macho Man. Yeah. Hell yeah! Oh Hell yeah. yeah! Now that's Wolfie's heart and soul right there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> man. Sorry not to lie, so, Macho Man. Oh yeah, he's the best. Honestly, he's like our golden statue in the corner of Live and in Color with Wolfie D. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Maybe Eric hasn't yeah. heard the story. We were at Old Miss. It was a show there. And Macho Man was there, and this is when I was like, I don't know, 19, 20 years old. And me and my partner, Jamie, we go to this little dive bar right outside of Ole Miss. The only person in the bar was Macho Man. <laughs> and, and probably a couple other, you know, straight people or whatever. It was a dive bar. And so out of respect, me and Jamie sit across the bar from him, you know. And he, he waved us over, and I was like, oh, shit, that's pretty cool. So he, he had watched our match, and he had, he had seen our gimmick and everything. So he waved us over, and we go over, and we sit next to him, and he goes, I really like your guys' stuff. And we're like, fuck, man, that's awesome. In our heads, you know, that's fucking awesome. He goes, but you guys got to get bigger. And we're like, Okay. <laughs> you know, this is this is Overton High School, straight out of Overton High School, Wolfie D. That's great. And he says, you got to get bigger. You want to know how to get bigger? <laughs> we think here comes this big epiphany. Like, here comes this big, like, something we don't even know yet. You want to know how to get bigger? And we're like, yeah, yeah, you tell us. And then you got to remember, we're sitting at this bar with, the, with Randy Savage. You want to know how to get bigger? He's like, yeah. He goes, smoke a lot of pot. Roll joint, smoke them, eat, smoke them, eat all the way to the towns and blah, blah, blah. You know he used to play baseball, Eric? Did you know that? I did not know that. He was, I think, outfielder for the Cardinals. Wow. Yeah. He was actually started out as a catcher for the Cincinnati Reds, which are my favorite team. Oh, that's uh, awesome. Yeah, yeah, me too. Cool they, uh, that, that Macho Man watched my match and liked my shit so much, he called me over and told me to smoke pot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. Macho where, family, where, right? where does wrestling stand on that? That's a pretty cool story. <laughs> well, a great story, man. I think WWE finds you pretty good, but I don't think it's going to get you fired. The thing that's messed up about it is, Wolfie, tell me if I'm wrong. There were the guys that did pills, and there were the guys that smoked, right? I mean, is that kind of the way? If you were high on pole, you didn't have to worry about nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. So, like, you know, you had the guys that could do whatever they wanted, and then there were guys that would get fined all the time. That was, like, 1993, I think, something like that. Yeah. It didn't even back then, but. It was just cool that my idol calls me over at the bar and tells me to smoke more pot. <laughs> yeah. That's great, dude. Then you got to snack me into a slim gym. Yeah. 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 yeah, there you go. That's it. That's a good one, uh, brother. Awesome. That's a good one. <laughs> so, yeah, and, and my next question is really, I, this is outside of wrestling. I promised Wolfie I wouldn't bring it up, but who do you think going to win the Super Bowl? Oh man, it's kind of like you don't want anyone to lose it. Really, it's kind of um, yeah. It's uh, it's kind of you can't 
can't root against old Matt and all his years spent in Detroit and coming out of the SEC where he tortured my balls for so long and see him <laughs> get his opportunity in L.A. But then you got Joe Joe Cool coming up that we wouldn't even know who he is if he hadn't had the opportunity to leave Ohio State and go to LSU. And then the guy, right. he's just a, a good guy. Like You know what I mean? He presents himself well. He's got ice in his veins. He doesn't get rattled. And he's killing it. I, he's sacked nine uh, times from the Titans and still fucking beats them. Ugh. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, they blew it, man. I, I don't know, man. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna have to ride with old Joe. Like, I don't okay. know if their offensive line will be able to hold up against the Rams' defense, but uh, right, we'll see. Right. Are you going Bengals? Yeah, I'm going Bengals. All right, all right. What, what about you, Wolfie B? Honestly, I don't care either way. Uh, <laughs> yeah, me too. Think that uh, uh, I, I'm going Rams. I'm going Rams. It's yeah, it's hard. Yeah. It's like you don't want either one of the guys to lose. It's like just it's just refreshing right. to see new faces, new teams. Yeah. Hey man, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm gonna uh, just to split the difference here. I, I'm gonna go with the Bengals. The Bengals beat my Titans as well, you know. And I would love to say that we lost to the Super Bowl champions, but at the same time, I don't want us to say that we've lost to anybody. But you know, Cincinnati Reds, Cincinnati Bengals. You know, we'll go with that. But Eric. Tell us a little bit about some of the awesome food they can get at Coach's Corner. Well, we're known for our burgers, uh, first and foremost. We out, our, we sell more burgers than anything by far. We we get all of our beef from my cousin's cattle farm I grew up on in Chapel Hill. Um, and, oh, uh, man. We, we hand pat them. We hand yeah. cut our fries. We make we make everything in house. Um, but yeah, we've got several good burgers out. We've uh, we've got one one wrestler sandwich. It's my Big John stud. It's my fried bologna <laughs> sandwich with uh, cracked pepper, cheese, buffalo sauce, and mayonnaise. Lettuce, That's tomato. Awesome. It's a, that beast of a we, sandwich. We got it. And if we don't get a Wolfie D burger, damn it, we'll have to crack. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, it usually takes us about yeah. two months to come out with the burger. We just uh, for Big Ben's. My chef's a big Steelers fan, so for his uh, for Big Ben's last hurrah, he made the Ben Roethlisberger burger, 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 burger. We didn't want any copyright infringement. <laughs> I made him say burger seven times. <laughs> that was a beast and sold, and sold well. So yeah, we'll come up with a Wolfie D uh, Wolfie D burger. You guys yeah. come down here. We'll give it a run. Sounds great, Cap. Yeah, we'll be there, man. Good there and make them bite aluminum or something. I don't know. <laughs> well, we'll <laughs> aluminum. <laughs> yeah. I don't understand. Yeah, we do a, anyway, yeah, man. Eric, 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 man, this has been awesome. I honestly, man, honestly, from the bottom of my heart, uh, really appreciate you doing this. I appreciate your sponsorship. I'm glad we could get you on here and let you talk. Uh, your story is freaking amazing. I wish, even though we knew each other in school, I wish I would have known you better. And I, I would love to continue this relationship that I have with you now, man. I mean, absolutely, man. Everything works. Heard from you. Haven't said it should. I'm not even lying. It's been the heart, the stuff that you. Have. Said and I, I, I got more questions, uh, the things that maybe I wouldn't put on here. But man, it's just uh, you're an, an amazing person, absolutely, uh, and and believe that. Uh, believe that. I wouldn't say that to anybody that I didn't mean it to. You're an amazing person, and I'm so glad you're doing what you're doing. I love to see people exceed and just you've overcome so much especially with all that bullshit man you're you're an amazing person dude I, i've tried to send you people and all that kind of stuff and uh man you're awesome man and, and i really want to come uh to your restaurant so just want you to know love you man thank you for giving us your time because i know your time is you know you got a lot of shit going on yeah, and man, no worries. I, I'm I'm grateful to have the opportunity to speak with you, and appreciate yeah. you guys letting me get on. And and and, uh, and it's always a pleasure to hear from you, man. And, and you know we're here, and things happen now. I'm proud to sponsor the show, and like I said, I'm, I love seeing people swing the bat. And you're one of those guys. And, and yeah, man, I, you know birds of a feather flock together. People on the same frequency doing stuff, find each other. So I uh, appreciate you giving me the opportunity to speak and talk to you and have some laughs and <laughs> all that good stuff, man. It's yeah. always always a pleasure. Absolutely, man. Yeah. Thank you, man. 
once again, thank you guys. Let me know. Uh, send me some messages. We'll get this SummerSlam uh, idea I've got uh, figured out. And if you guys want to come do a show here or whatever you guys want, let me know. We'll get it figured out. And we'll Absolutely. work on that Wolfie D burger. Thank you, Eric Byford and the Coach's Corner. We love them. We love you guys. For Jimmy Street, this is Wolfie D. And live in color, Wolfie D. Thank you for listening. And now a word from our sponsor. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Give Me Back My Pro Wrestling, the podcast that's based on the old school but can still help you find the good stuff from today. Jimmy Street and the Plastic Chic Jared are the undisputed tag team champions of the wrestling podcast world. From thought-provoking topics to superstar interviews to action figure expertise. This team does it all. And all they ask is, give me back my pro wrestling. Every other Thursday, wherever you listen to podcasts. Join me, Gene Jackson, for the Jackson Interaction Podcast, where I'll be doing one-on-one interviews with people from the world of professional wrestling, as well as stand-up comedy. You can get them anywhere podcasts are available in both video and audio form, but you can find them all at GeneJacksonPod.com. That's right. It's the talk of Middle Tennessee, the channel you love to hate and the channel you hate to love. It's Brian Turner from Brian Turner's VHS Rehab. And if you're looking for matches from Wolfie D to Jerry Lawler to Dusty Rhodes, and the team that put a pimp before your eyes and a goatee between your thighs, Booty Call and Athena, go to LostWrestling.com. See, I made it easy for you. Brian Turner's VHS Rehab. Booyah! So that was another great episode. Hey, Wolfie, tell them where they can find you on social media. Jimmy, they can find me in the club, bottle full of bub. I'm just kidding. Uh, they can find me on Facebook. Uh, my personal page is Warren Wolf, W-O-L-F-E. I'm on Instagram, at WarrenWolf13. You can always find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube, at LiveWolfieD. Here's the thing. Wolfie always has offers for his autographed photos. He has a selection of some awesome photos from throughout his career that he will autograph and personalize any way that you want him to. Just contact him either directly at his personal Facebook page or through any one of our other pages, and we'll make sure you get in contact directly with Wolfie. Get those photos, right, Wolfie? Yeah, I've got some good stuff on there, you know, to help with the podcast. Folks, if you can't get out to a show to meet Wolfie D, there's nothing like that, especially for the fans of PG-13 and Wolfie D. And before we go, you can always find me, your host, Jimmy Street, at James Rock Street on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And hey, Jimmy, before we go real quick, I just want to add in there, uh, from the bottom of my heart, I really appreciate First of all, the work you've done for this podcast. You have worked your butt off. Secondly, the people that are liking the page. Beyond that, even more, is the people that are listening. And we really appreciate that. Yeah, and remember, guys, the podcast drops a new episode every Monday at noon. And our past episodes are streaming now on demand on all major podcast formats. Thanks again. I got a cap for you don't. He got a cap for you don't. I got a cap for you don't. He got a cap for you don't. He got a cap for you don't. And here we go. The original white boy that came out sagging, not bragging, don't be hating, cause I'm spitting the truth. Still loving it in color. Don't rush your mother, utilize a hubcap. I'm like any other. Back in the day, I was NOD, and I was P to the G plus the one and the three. In case you forgot, they call me Wolfie D. Been cloned and copied so many times. Title suckers taking credit for what is mine. You know who you are without me name dropping wrestling's first white boy coming out hip hop. Been doing it like this since 92. Played low for a while when you thought I was through. Listen real close to these rhymes that I've injected. This shit's so sick it makes your ears get infected. Bad skills, no faking, there is no one great. Cause I'm bringing more folks and over one for later. Not here to play games, so you better be right. You don't like me, so what? I really don't care. All the time I keep ticking and I can't be stopped. You suck a step to the side unless you wanna get dropped. When I finish, I'll straight knock you out. Please allow me to tell you what it's all about. I'm gonna wind it up. Driving it home, 
Spooky D, baby. Huh. I got a cap for your dome. I got a cap for your dome. We got a cap for your dome. We got a cap for your dome. This has been a James Rock Street production.